0: Welcome to Better Words, a podcast for readers who want to know the stories behind the pages. We're your hosts, Caitlin and Michelle, two book nerds who bring you
1: in-depth conversations about writing and publishing from those on the inside.
0: Basically, we're just here to talk about books.
1: We're so glad you're joining us. Welcome back to Better Words. Hello welcome back to another episode and another book club.
0: Yeah I'm really excited to chat about this because um, it was a very random find that I found in my um, library borrow box app and I just really liked the cover. It sounded really good and it was so much better than I expected because I had not heard anyone speak about it so I felt like it deserved a little bit of love.
1: Yeah and then in my lockdown boredom I bought a couple of books on the book grocer um, and just I wasn't looking for anything in particular I just had a bit of a look around and so I I grabbed like I bought like a Holly Bourne book I bought a book about sex in the city but then as I was scrolling around I bought this book that you had recommended Michelle and again the same experience you had recommended it to me and said that it was so much better than you thought but that was all I'd ever heard about it and it was so much better than I thought
0: (laughs) I know it's so it's such an underrated untalked about that's not a word but whatever um gem of a book it's brilliant it's a wonderful I want to say contemporary but it's actually a time travel book so do you want to tell us a little bit about Space Hopper by Helen Fisher
1: I do, yes. So our book club book this week that we're chatting about is Space Hopper by Helen Fisher. And funnily enough, just before I read the blurb, so Space Hopper, for those who don't know, because I think this is a bit of a British term, is one of those like like an exercise gym ball, but it has handles and you like hop around. Now I had one as a kid, but I don't remember what I called it.
0: Yeah, same. Like I don't. I mean, I don't think I had one, but like I could picture it when she described. I was like, "Yeah, I know what this is." Yeah, they don't, they're not a thing anymore, are they? I don't think. I don't know. I don't know. Probably anyway. not
1: as big of a thing as they were. It is, you know, kind of used in the story as like a bit of a thing that like it's an eighties toy from her childhood, yes. you know, that sort of thing. And but when it's I read the thing it, thing that we
0: had before we had phones that could keep yeah. us in used
1: <laughs> exactly. But when I read. And I started reading it and I kept reading the word the space hopper, my space hopper, the space hopper box and everything over and over again in the the very beginning of the book. And I was like, crap, what is this thing again? And I got thrown. (laughs) And I looked it up and it came up like all known as a hippity hop and a jumping something. And I was like, none of these are what I called it, but I have no idea what I called it.
0: Yeah. So that's so it's, weird. Just... It's just one of those weird items. Um, there's the a great other... James Acaster joke about the pictures you put your head in and he's like, no one knows what they're called, but you know what I mean when I say the pictures you put your head in. You know, the pictures you <laughs> put your head in. And it's true. Like, what are they called? They are just the pictures you put your head in, you know? Yeah, I don't you know. You take a photo. I know. It's so funny. Anyway, yeah. Um, yeah. It's so it's, funny. It, no, but... other, no other term would work for this book because not only – is I know this box. book was called the hippity hop it doesn't work It <laughs> <Couldn't work. laughs> um, but
1: again also before I actually read the blurb it has a really cool image of roller skates on the front which are you know like another childhood toy that becomes a bit of a plot point in this book but because I had the book down and it says space hopper but has roller skates on the front <laughs> My Aunt Monica was like, is this a book about 80s toys? And I was like, "Uh, kind of. Yeah. How did you know? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, okay. Now to actually read the blurb and start talking about what the book is actually about. So, although Faye is happy with her life, losing her mother when she was a child weighs on her mind even more now that she's a mother herself. She longs for the lost moments, all that was never said, and all that could have been. Then one day, in an extraordinary turn of events, she finds herself back in her childhood home of the 1970s, faced with the chance to finally seek answers to her questions, but away from her own family. How much is she willing to give up for another moment with her mother? This is an original and poignant story about mothers, memories, and the moments that shape life, but most of all, it is about believing the unbelievable.
0: I think that's the perfect summing up of the book as well. Of that, it's such is, a good blurb, yeah. It's it's that bit at the end really sums up everything about it. And like we have already told you, it is about time travel. Um, mm. But I think it's quite a unique take on time travel. But also, I really enjoyed the fact that they bring in a lot of like time travel law, which I really love, where they're trying yeah. to figure out the rules around time travel. And you know, the whole like oh, my God, if you do this, are you going to ruin your future? And I just think it's probably one of the cleverest ways I've seen that play out in a time travel story. And I think yeah. that that by the time I got to the end, like that's probably what I appreciated most about it. I was just like, wow, like that's that's blowing my mind in terms it's, of the genre.
1: It's really, like it's really well done, but it's in done in like a really beautiful way because of the type of time travel story it is. I guess like when you then think about, you know, like Back to the Future as like a classic adventure time Mm. travel solving the problem type of story, they go back and he does something and they come back and the world is different. And, you know, and like the crazy things where like the Doctor is like in the space-time continuum and like all of that. Yeah, yeah. But this is such a different time travel story that it kind of reminded me a bit more of if we were to give time travel comps, like the time Traveler's wife
0: or Mm. about time. About time is beautiful, yeah. Yeah. I think that deals with a lot of the same things of like around the relationships that you have with people and at what point you maybe choose not to go back. And although in about time he does sort of change things whereas this he does change
1: things in about time yeah and obviously the time traveler's wife is a bit different because he can't control the time travel Mm. (laughs) but Mm. but it really is about that like you know memories and like that kind of thing of like Faye in the book has to decide to stay in the present rather than trying to recapture and live her past because like she does have her own children and her, and her own husband that she loves um yeah so
0: it's a very big like it's, I'd say like even though it's like a time travel novel it's sort of less about the time travel and more about the choice that she faces yeah it, in some ways that that aspect reminded me a lot of um the book before the coffee gets cold as well which is another different kind of take on time travel in a sense. Um, it's very beautiful, very beautiful, very small book. Um, and that has a lot of similar, like it's about relationships forming and yeah, I think the fact that there's so much about motherhood in here as well is really interesting. Um, I've been reading Detransition Baby by Tori Peters, which is also a lot about motherhood, the different forms that that can take. Um, and so I guess, like, it is really interesting to, to think about that. And she she does have, like, a sort of mother relationship in her life um, with her mother after, sorry, after her mother has gone. Um, and just as she sort of, like, learns more about her mother, then, like, more things come up about that relationship that make her see yeah. that in a different light. And it's just, it's, it's really beautiful, like, it's it's funny because I do want to say it's it's contemporary. It feels contemporary, even though it's a time travel novel.
1: Yeah, it does feel so contemporary. But of course, there are sections of the book where Faye goes back and she's spending time with her mother in was it like the late seventies. I don't remember I exactly. Think so. Yeah, yeah, and she spends some time back there and remembering her own childhood and what happened and everything but it is
0: and hanging out with her childhood self too yeah (laughs) i loved that
1: it's very funny it's one of those and some of those elements too are what i just love about (laughs) um like the oh no how do i do this in time travel stories where she shows up and without thinking she says oh nice to meet you my name's faye and then the little girl her child itself is like, oh, me too. And then she's like, oh, shit.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, <laughs> why did I do no. that? No. Why did they do that? Yeah. I'd yeah. I'd yeah.
1: Back no, to the it's... where they're like, isn't your name Calvin Klein? It's written on your underwear. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Favorite scene. Love it. Ah, oh, so, so funny. That movie is yeah. so classic. Um, yeah. This is a really beautiful book. And yeah, just so like underrated. And I haven't really seen it anywhere or heard it talked about. And I just knew as soon as I read it, um, especially as soon as I finished it, Caitlin, I knew that you would love it. Um, and, yeah, I, I was really like, we did. have to talk about it.
1: Yeah. It is so, 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 so heartwarming. It's just full of so much warmth and joy and heart. And you really, really love Faye and her mother and and her husband, Eddie, Faye's husband, her Eddie. Husband. I loved him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and her friend Lewis, who helps with her, she like yeah. she feels like he is, you know, kind of separate enough that she tells him everything, and then he doesn't believe her at first, and then tries to help and help her move on, you know, from it and everything. It's just what a great gang of characters. They're so yeah.
0: Lovely. It really, really took me by surprise, and I love it when a book does that. It's amazing. That's yeah. my favorite. I love it.
1: I guess you know, in the way it's like, oh, it's a, it's about a mother and memory and grief and loss and that all sounds like very lovely and beautiful, but it is still very, like, twisty kind of when, when you're like, well, how does the time travel rules work? Like what, how long has she been there? When will she come back to the present and how does it work? And there work? is
0: also this element of, like, what did happen to her mother because the mm. more that she thinks about it, the more questions she has about it. And I felt like that all was resolved really beautiful in such a cool way so clever so, so clever so and so, so clever. well done yeah 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 it was it was really really wonderful um so yeah it does have that element of like I found it such a pacey read because I was like I need to know what happens and I was thinking about it all the time and I just feel like it's so rare these days especially for you and I doing the podcast you literally working and publishing it's so rare for us to come across a random book that we end up loving so much. And I know I I put it in your path and told you to read it and told you that you yeah. would love it. But it's so rare, I think, for us to go into books these days with almost no expectations because usually we've heard about them or we know the author or someone else's. I mean, I did recommend it to you, so that sort of doesn't count. But, like, for me, it's so rare. But it's
1: the closest to, I would have had to that
0: like yeah. all year I could
1: probably double checked double check the list of books I've read so far this year and this would be the only one that comes close to that category and it doesn't even really because you told me to read it
0: so yeah. there's <laughs> and just that's for me it's one of the only ones for me that I'm just like I love it and it came out of nowhere yeah completely took me by surprise and that is such a joy and that reminds me of like why I like what I loved about as a kid going to the library and picking books like before I yeah. knew. like now I feel like you and I are so you know particular like I said like I will go into the library and be like oh yeah I recognize that recognize that recognize that I heard someone exactly talk about that. or you
1: go into a bookshop and you're like yeah I've heard about all of these new releases like you don't mm. often walk past many books that you're like I've never heard of that or seen that before
0: and maybe, just in, some, in it. maybe some people do, but we don't. Like maybe. I sort of almost envy people who do that because I'm like, I just know a bit about all, and you know, my rule is not to really read blurbs. I really just go off like, oh, yeah. you know, such and such said that was good. I saw this other author I love talk about it on her Instagram. So I I will read it because I trust her, her her taste in books or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, and I just, yeah, I was like, oh, that is the magic of finding a good book and then being surprised by it in such a nice way. It's yeah. delightful.
1: And it is funny because it is one of those things that I was still so surprised and I really, really enjoyed this book. I'm so glad I read it. But there are still things that, you know, because because we've done this podcast for four years and I work in publishing now and, you know, we're just like in it and so we know. So like looking at this book, everyone who can't see it because this is audio. It's got endorsement quotes from Diana Gabaldon and Marion Keys on the front, which is women's fiction and slightly historical and time travel, you know, like that tells Ooh. me a lot already. Yeah. You know, like and you recommended it. So like <laughs> Yeah. We all these like little things from years of reading books and looking in bookshops and publishers' websites and everything. Give us all the information we need.
0: (laughs) (laughs) does. But please take it from us that it is a really gorgeous novel. Do yourself a favour. Go and read it. Yeah. So lovely.
1: It really was exactly what I needed. It was so, like, like light but not fluffy Um, and, yeah, just beautiful, a beautiful story.
0: And on that note. We shall transition into our next beautiful story this week another young adult novel, uh, coming of age novel, which we're really excited to share. Also, fun little fact just before we go we got some new birds on the weekend. <laughs> and Caitlin will remember, uh, and listeners who've been with us a long, long time will remember that we used to have birds um, when we lived in Australia before. And, um, so if you hear a lot of chirping in the background of future recordings, it will be, that's why. <laughs> birds. um, and I will do my best to minimize the chirping, but they like to chirp. So yeah, they're little cute, little peach faces. Um, they're birds, so. that's what they do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, just a, a fun, a fun little fact for our listeners. Um, so yeah, we hope you enjoy this chat. We I had so much fun uh, reminiscing about Dolly and girlfriend and the sealed section. Oh, um, and high school, so fun. And high school, yeah. yeah. Keep listening to find out why. Our guest this week is a Sydney-based journalist who spent the early part of her career writing about boys, annoying parents, and friendship dramas in the teen magazines we grew up reading, Dolly and Girlfriend. She loves the beach and can be found there whenever she's not writing and also sometimes when she is writing. Her debut novel for young adults, Half My Luck, has just been released after winning the Matilda Children's Literature Prize through HarperCollins. Welcome to Better Words, Samira Kamaladeen.
2: Hello, and good pronunciation
0: there, Michelle. It. <laughs> yay. Oh, I was worried. <laughs> uh, it's so lovely to have you join us because as you told us just before, you listened to the podcast. So yay, welcome. It's fun to like, be a listener and then be a guest. It's very cool. Yes, yeah we so love so that so nice um and we just need a little disclaimer Caitlin because I work at HarperCollins
1: although I don't actually work in the children's team I work in our adult team so I still still had to email Yvonne and pitch to pitch myself and say can we please have Samira on um but yes obviously my job at HarperCollins never affects who we decide to ask to be on the podcast and we love Aussie YA so we're thrilled to have you Oh cool
2: yeah. well, that's good to know.
0: <laughs> I mean sometimes it does help us <laughs> because Caitlin already has some contacts but yeah we always just so people know we do always you know send emails and pitch just like I guess every other podcast and stuff has to. so thank you Caitlin. Um, so yeah Half My Luck is a really gorgeous young adult novel, really sweet and I think Definitely perfect for summer, but also like perfect light lockdown reading as well. It's really lovely, uplifting. Can you tell us a little bit about the story?
2: Oh well that's so nice. Thanks for that intro.
0: Um so How my luck is it's a good old search for
2: identity story, but also explores the concept of luck. So at the centre of it is Layla. She's 16, she has a Lebanese father and an Australian mother, which is very coincidental because so do I. Um, she doesn't feel like she belongs in either of those worlds, though, and is kind of going through high school in this limbo land of belonging. And of course, there's an inciting event, inciting incident at the start of the book. And this only, I guess, perpetuates all those feelings for her. And then her community's response to the event comes into play in quite a significant way for her throughout the story. That doesn't make it sound so sweet, does it? It makes it sound a bit dark and serious. No, it's
0: def- No, it's definitely sweet because it's like beach and teenage I know it of is they're all hanging a little bit. out I mean, all summer yeah. but
1: it's funny because I guess like down to the core like you know plot it is a bit of a, a mystery Like who did this we've got to uncover the truth it's quite action-packed really I guess it
2: also just had the potential I'm very aware I was very aware of writing it that it had the potential to be a bit kind of dark and serious so I did have to try and strike that balance I guess to add that so a little bit of humor in not too much and not flippant, but enough to make it go, okay, I'm not just getting really sort of down in the dumps about this whole kind of really big issue.
0: Um, and I guess too, like dealing with the issues that you do deal with in there, I guess you sort of want to maybe reach a, a different audience who maybe aren't necessarily concerned with a really serious book, but but, you know, just to bring it into An everyday book. It doesn't have to be, you know, we often talk, I guess, there's that talk of like issues books and stuff. It doesn't have to be an issues book. It could just be a girl who is going through this stuff and this stuff happens in the background with her community. And it's very much part of the story, but it doesn't take away from, you know, what Layla is going through just as an average teenager and whether it's, dealing with Lebanese culture and Australian culture or, you know, a mash of other cultures. I'm sure that there are so many teens who feel like they can relate to that, like identity crisis in a way of like, which half am I? Where do I belong? So I think, yeah, definitely. Is really um, strikes that that balance, like you say.
2: Oh, totally, and I think you don't have to be of a certain culture to be reading this story. Like, let's be honest, like everyone has their shit to deal with in high school, right? Some everyone feels yeah. different for some reason. Whether you literally grew up on the wrong side of the tracks, you your parents do a job that's embarrassing to your friends or like whatever it is like there is something and this is like you say it's just one girl's story It was kind of my story
0: yeah so I guess that leads us into our next question Caitlin did you want to did you want to ask that (laughs) yes well you know as we've said obviously the
1: key theme in the book is that belonging and identity that Layla is dealing with particularly in Layla's situation she feels like She has this half of her life with like her Australian friends and then the half of her her life with her Lebanese cousins and family and friends. And as you've said, obviously, that was your experience as a teenager. So is that why you wanted to explore this in a novel? Is it just because that was your life experience?
2: uh actually this isn't the story I wanted to write or thought I was going to write I actually felt like it was something that was really uncomfortable for me to talk about and it's something that you know even as an adult I'm finding a bit kind of it's cringy to talk about and for a really long time didn't really want to acknowledge it when I quit my job like you told not to do to write a book um (laughs) I, I had this idea in my head of this story that I was going to write I'm not sure it would have been a nice story but um when I sat down to write it it just it just didn't feel like it had any heart. And I kind of reverted to this word document that I had sort of, you know, as they say in the drawer um on my computer somewhere. And it was this paragraph, which is now the first page of Half My Luck. And I've kind of just noted this idea down around or as the conversation between her and her grandmother, her Lebanese grandmother, and I thought I wanted to write something really funny. I, I grew up reading things like The Secret Drive of Adrian Mole and Greta Colleen's My Life's a Toilet and um, Robin Klein's Hating Alice and Ashley. And I loved that sort of slapstick kind of comedy stuff. And I thought it could have been funny to be writing about this, you know, the embarrassment of this ethnic family, because there were so many things that were embarrassing for me. Like my dad did so many, there were so many cultural nuances that my friends just didn't get. And it was just, I was mortified. Um, so I thought that's what it was, what I would at some point maybe an idea for sat down, as I said, quit my job to write this story and it just wasn't right, went back to that first page and the more I started writing, I guess I was sort of going on this really emotional journey and all these things were coming up for me that I didn't know I felt and I didn't know I remembered or or yeah, like it was still feeling. So it got into this little bit of a darker place and then I had to go back and kind of tone down that hero on that first page because it wasn't that silly story anymore. Um, These characters are invented, the storyline's invented but absolutely drew inspiration from that confusion embarrassment that I felt in high school Mm. and really yeah really dug deep into those feelings and as I said it was kind of this cathartic release really to finally go I'm actually okay to be talking about this I don't know why for so long I've been burying it down and it just felt like the right story at the right time to be telling I guess for myself.
0: Wow that reminds me a bit of um Zoya Patel's "No Country Woman," um, which I'll link to in the show notes. When we when we talked to her, it was really about that kind of not feeling like you belong anywhere, maybe being embarrassed by things, um, yeah, just feeling sort of out of place in the place where you're meant to belong as well. Um, yeah, that must have been tough to sort of go back. Was it was it hard to go back over, especially since you didn't really realise you still held those? Yeah,
2: totally. And I think.
0: As a teenager, I didn't
2: acknowledge it, and I didn't, it's not something I talked to my friends about. And even when the first person to read the manuscript when I finished it was my sister. So I'm really close to my sister, Amy, she's two years younger than me. And we both grew up reading, writing, like we both, you know, we used to read each other our stories. So she was always going to be the purse, the soundboard for me. And when I had printed it out and I handed it to her and she was holding the other end and I just didn't want to let go of it. I was just <laughs> even terrified of it. She, she was going to think of like, I felt like handing over my diary to her. And after she finished reading it, she said, I didn't know that's how you felt. And I was like, I didn't know that's how I felt. (laughs) And the funny thing is, you know, we grew up with the same family, but had completely different experiences, which is also really interesting. I don't know that she kind of explored that as much as I did then or now, um, so yeah and and sometimes it was hard sometimes i felt really yeah like sad about things or uncomfortable to write things I was like oh this feels a little bit uncomfortable to write but i guess sometimes i say that discomfort is good and discomfort has significance,
0: I guess. Yeah. Well, it definitely. definitely comes across in the novel as really heartfelt and really sort of genuine and stuff. So I suppose that that was, that was worth the... Yeah, no, yeah. I,
2: I, I'm glad you say that because authenticity was really important to me. I really want the language to sound like where I grew up and the place to look like where I grew up. Although in saying that, we didn't swim in that that water. It was disgusting. Um. But... <laughs> it used to be a beach in the 1930s and I spent my high school life dreaming of the days where all I wanted to do was live by the beach which I now do but um the river that I grew up at uh the Dodgers River in in southwest Sydney is not swimmable it's not um <laughs> it's not I a love beach. that you've
1: it in your in your book you're yeah. like I always wanted to be able to go to that river and swim in yeah. it so, so now it is a beach it yeah. <laughs> will be a beach and people will swim at it <laughs> and everyone hangs out there all the time it's a place yeah. to be yeah Exactly. Yeah. That was the dream, brought it to life. <laughs> Hence why I didn't actually it's this really, the suburb is ambiguous. I think name it. I love the idea of going back to your teenage experience and fixing it by writing the
0: novel. <laughs> yeah. And what did your sister say like afterwards, apart from you know that she didn't realise that's how you felt? Did she say anything else about the novel?
2: She really liked it. And I she's a school teacher as well. So she's also very um, you know, I knew that there was gonna be constructive feedback from her and we we workshopped a new title. Um, cause at the time there was only, it was called the original title was Layla Unlucky and, and then not to give too much away, but obviously there's a second point of view in the story. Um, so we had some really kind of constructive conversations, you know, with her teacher voice. Um, but she was really encouraging. She really liked it. Um, she thought it had legs. She was like, this needs to be on the HSC list. And, you know, so it was really, I was like, well, wow speak to the Department of Education for me, would you?
0: Yeah, that's very encouraging. (laughs) (laughs) That's really cool. And um, I guess too, like it feels really, I mean, it feels silly to say that it feels evocative of that like Southwest Sydney area because, you know, didn't grow up there. (laughs) Um, But (laughs) it feels like you've really captured this sort of community spirit, the good and the bad. Yeah, I guess, do you feel like there's still a, bit of division in the community or are things sort of moving forward nowadays oh look I think it's probably always going to be there isn't it just
2: as a society that's just the way we are different is always going to be different and always going to be viewed as that way um yeah I mean I I don't live in the area anymore my family and some of my friends still do and I love going back there I'll never forget where I come from that's really you know important to me as well but yeah I think it's hard to say when you're not in high school anymore as well I don't know what high school the corridors look like anymore
1: it is a bit interesting I do think that about you know YA authors that they're obviously most of them are not in high school (laughs) not 17 experiences and must feel so strange yeah it is because you are walking down those corridors
2: again and you're thinking about people's faces and how they looked at you or, or what you thought they were thinking. And you just, you'll never know, will you? You no. could write, you can rewrite, you should say I've rewritten the story that <laughs> there was a beach now, right? Where I grew up. <laughs> um, but you never, I guess, go back and actually know what people were thinking of you when they did walk down the hallway and how much of that was imagined and how much of it was yet your own kind of head getting away from you and, and overthinking. I mean, I'm an overthinker by nature so yeah that was I I could just I sit and overthink this as well
0: yeah and like we're all chronically um you know obsessed with ourselves especially when we're teenagers it's so much worse when you're a teenager yeah like literally (laughs) that saying of like you are the the protagonist of your story and stuff so you make everything about you and I think especially especially when you're a teenager and there are those you're surrounded by all these other people all the time and there are these like factions and all this stuff and I think it's funny in all those beach scenes how everyone has their like little groups <laughs> and stuff and you could just picture oh, a game you can see it high so school. clearly yeah. you could, it could be any high school and you could just see it and it's not even in a high school setting it's it's in the summer holidays it's like out of school but you can just see how that translates across you know pretty much every high school it's almost a universal experience isn't it and I think it's good it's good to sort of go back and revisit that sometimes but also as adults be like oh I'm kind of glad that we're out of that now
2: I actually (laughs) feel like to be honest I've got one foot still in there I've got one foot in there I've got one foot in adulthood and everything like I say it's so heightened and dramatic and everything's so over the top Sometimes I feel like maybe I haven't lost that that aspect as much. Um, but that's what I love about it is it's so dramatic, but also it's it's one of the only few times in your life where you were allowed to be that intense, isn't it? Oh, you're allowed yeah. to be that passionate and that intense and that dramatic. And I think sometimes when I was writing Layla, I went, "Oh, is she being too much of a drama queen here? Like, it's just is she being annoying, like to the point of annoying?" and wanted to tone her down a little bit and went no actually I think that's just that is that is what it is when you're 16 that is yeah. how you behave and that is how you think and you don't know anything else apart from this small world and this small community that you're in right
1: totally weirdly I just finished watching season two of never have I ever <gasps> on oh, never- I love that, show. I <laughs> so love that show such
0: good little actors
1: oh it's so good have you watched it Michelle
0: No, I need to. You really should. It's It's actually really good.
1: It's excellent, but. If we can say one thing for certain about the main character, Davy, it's that she is so dramatic and such a drama queen. And there are several times throughout watching that show that like, I caught myself thinking, oh my God, like she's overreacting a bit here. And then I had to like, think, I was like, oh my God, at 16, I was worse. Like...
2: Yeah, it's so true. And sometimes like, that main character ends up being, although really significant to the story, really annoying like sometimes and I shouldn't say this because I love my book but sometimes I was like do I like Layla do I do I like this girl I got to the end and, it was, and it was like I'm a bit sick of you now <laughs> a bit relentless. no but I do I do love her. but you know it does get to that I guess and you know actually when you're talking about the cliques and the groups <laughs> that scene in Mean Girls comes to mind oh, when they're yeah. introducing Katie to the really niche stereotypical groups in the in the cafeteria it just made me laugh I just had to bring that up
0: yeah no yeah. I did sort of feel like that when I was like starting and I'm like okay we're at the beach and there's these yeah. gruesome <laughs> yeah, and there's, yeah, yeah. like I could kind of see it all like that too unfolding at the beach <laughs> Totally. I
1: like that you admitted to potentially getting a bit annoyed with Layla because I feel like <laughs> authors don't often do that but as you you know as you said when you started writing the book and then you kind of swapped around and the story became something you weren't expecting but was it always Layla? How did she come to you? Was it always
2: Layla? I think. Well, there's a lot of myself in her, which is probably why sometimes I went. I, I thought I didn't like her because I was hearing my own voice, and seeing like, myself. Oh. I was like, oh god, it's I'm me. Myself. So me and one of my friends. So after my sister, um, two friends read the story, and one of them was like, oh my god, you are Layla. And I was like, oh, don't say that. Oh no. <laughs> but yeah, so obviously a, a lot of me was poured into her, but I think, and and, and part of that. Part of me sort of getting a little bit over her voice was bringing in the second point of view, bringing in Imogen. But also, I guess, perspective was really important for me for this story. I think it was really important to show different parts of the community and different home life and, I guess, all that learned behaviour from adults and and really showing that there's got to be something else going on in people's lives for them to behave the way they do. You know, in the character of Imogen, when we first see her, she's kind of this dismissive bitch. (laughs) And I just feel like there's got to be a reason that people act that way. There's got to be a reason that people are the way they are. She isn't just walking around, not thinking about anything in her head. And I think we needed to get into someone else's head as well. So it wasn't just Layla's head that whole time. We needed to see how someone else was living, how someone else was feeling and thinking about the situation. Um, So that kind of was also my remedy for having a break from Layla's voice for myself, for my own (laughs) sanity.
1: It's a really interesting device, actually, how you've done that in the book, because obviously, you know, we've said stories like, oh, she's torn between these two worlds, blah, 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 the whole storyline's going on. And like right in the middle of the book, there's just this like just a few chapters, this short snippet where we jump over to Imogen. Yeah, it's just so well done because like you get to the other side of this story, I guess, that all the girls are dealing with this (laughs) Truth, you know, this crime they're trying yes. to like get the truth
0: seeking. Yes. They're like yeah.
1: um, big action story in this book in this <clears> novel. <throat> But yeah, I really enjoyed swapping over to image. Okay, oh, well, that's good to hear because yeah. I don't, I don't, I didn't know
2: how dumb that was to do that. And I hadn't read many books that only do that sort of in the middle of the book, and I just was like, I don't know. I wondered if any publisher was going to tell me that that wasn't a good thing to do. They didn't. other Collins didn't. So <laughs> you <laughs> just got to gotta
0: break the rules, honestly. But honestly, I think <laughs> well, that works really works well. for you. yeah, worked really Yeah, yeah, it worked really well as well because obviously, like Layla feels like she's misunderstood in a way by different like by Mm. her mum's family and her dad's family and things like that but then Imogen is another girl who feels like how people see her is very different from the reality and that's you know they even have that conversation sometimes where Layla sort of says like you think I'm in with them but Mm. I'm not I'm I'm not in with anybody Mm. and Imogen keeps trying to tell Layla like my mum isn't the person that you imagine her to be. And I think obviously as we all do, looking to other people's parents and thinking, oh, they must be this or that or better than ours or whatever, and Layla's doing that with Imogen's mum. And I just think it's a nice reminder again, and especially when you do that perspective shift and you're inside Imogen's head, that, you know, actually we are really full of ourselves as teenagers and we need to remember that other people aren't in the same space. Um, So while I was doing some research for this, I now can't find what I found online, Um, but I saw in one of the announcements about the the prize that um, you'd had a few comparisons there to that Aussie YA icon looking for a brandy, and I guess it is sort of similar in in a way really, but how do you feel about, um, you know, having your writing compared to that?
2: I honestly do not feel worthy of that comparison. Like Melina (laughs) Marquetta is a goddess and that book is so significant as you say, it's an icon. And I, yeah, I just can't fathom that, to be honest.
0: (laughs) Was that one of the books that, you know, you grew up reading? It was on the HSC,
2: oh, it was HSC list or school list. I read it in school as a um, required reading. And, And yeah, obviously it was, you know, it was a game changer and it was, I'd never thought about the fact that there wasn't a lot of diversity in in YA at the time. It's not something I'd thought about. I just, I loved reading so much and was so consumed by by books and I just hadn't thought about it. I just love the idea of stories and storytelling. Um, So that was the first time, I guess, that had really kind of been pointed out and highlighted. and, And I guess the first time I ever, you know, personally had a connection and felt like I'd seen myself in a book. So yeah, mind was blown when I saw that statement. I think it was from Lisa Berriman, publisher at Hubbard Collins or one of the Hubbard Collins marketing team, maybe.
0: So how do you feel to be like part of the community now contributing to that diversity and to, to see that maybe one day another girl, much like yourself, picks up your book in a library and feels like they've being seen in a novel how does that feel that would be
2: so cool and like and that's that's the objective isn't it if it's one person who picks this up and says oh this book speaks to me this book makes sense to me then you know I've done my job haven't I and the, the dream that's the dream that's a very high standard to to kind of live up to though the whole looking for <laughs> Alibrandi <the laughs> analogy
0: yeah that is that is a hard act to follow isn't it
2: yeah definitely and I think you know, obviously that was a really successful um, story that has stood the test of time like even when you sort of reread or I actually haven't read it since high school so I should go back and read that but I have watched the movie since and you know it's so early 2000s so 2000s and so 90s and just the clothes and everything that's happening like was called telecom and it's you know that stuff like that dates but the story doesn't no. and that's what mm. just makes an amazing book isn't it a story that doesn't date future teenagers are going to pick it up and still understand it and resonate with it when I was starting when I was writing this story I was like oh well there is there is all that diversity out there now am I doing anything different am I bringing anything sort of new and fresh to the plate but I guess I kind of was drawing from my little unique angle of being that halfy so I hadn't seen anything
1: like that as yet
0: yeah it's definitely I mean as it should continue to grow hopefully as well yeah with wonderful books like this yeah
1: well i want to ask you about your experience with the matilda prize particularly because this is the first year that the children's team at HarperCollins ran the matilda prize so it's not like you'd seen last year's winner become a bestseller or anything so tell us the whole story so when i first saw the ad for it i
2: don't know something just went this feels like the home for layla like it just i don't know something about that kind of that call to action and i think it was maybe a few months it was i remember it being the applications being on australia day so 26 january and i started a few months before that so i put it in my calendar put it in my diary and as a little notification to enter and at this point i'd i'd had it written for a few months and i'd sent it off to maybe two publishers and i actually got really nice nice rejection letters um and it was feeling a little bit like I didn't, I didn't know what to do with it, and kind of had shelved it a little bit. And saw that and went right. That's that's my task for 2020. That is the one thing that I'm going to do in 2020. I'm going to enter this competition
0: and before the end um, of January, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get it out of the way. No achieved before the world went to crap. <laughs> you laughed, but I almost didn't do it.
2: So. I, I went on a pub crawl um on Australia Day and <laughs> and it was I, I got home, it was just like a daytime kind of pub crawl, and I got home and looked at my calendar and I was like, oh my god, the one the one thing I was gonna do for 2020. I'm gonna like, pub all day. So <laughs> I literally entered on my phone. Like I had my, oh my the god. manuscript of my Dropbox on my phone. And I was like, oh my god, I've gotta upload this before midnight before it ends and so I uploaded it on my phone and then
0: and then it's it, in uni when you're like oh my god it's 11 in, assignment. in, light
2: in my assignment <laughs> oh my god which is exactly how i that's exactly how i operated in high school
1: i literally oh my is, god. i'm
2: the last minute girl um and I forgot about it because as you say something very significant happened in the world and because that was March, wasn't it? That that all kind of kicked off and yeah. consumed by that. And so then I also missed the email from um, Lisa telling me that I was shortlisted for it. <laughs> <laughs> she sent the email on a Friday afternoon and it was Monday night and I was just sitting there like eating my dinner from the TV. I was like, oh, I suppose I better check my emails. And I thought it was a press release because it said strictly under embargo in the subject line. I was like, oh, it's his press release, and <laughs> <laughs> I was Lisa saying you've been shortlisted for the Twitter Prize. I was like, what? And I was like, oh my god, I completely <laughs> forgot about that. And then literally like spat my food out. And this is like six PM at night, and she was like can you please send me this, this, and this with a press release that goes out Tuesday morning at 11am? And I was like, oh my God, like, do I call her mobile? Like, is that really appropriate Oh I my do. God.
0: we me out if I don't?
2: I like have, have they replaced me
0: already because I
2: am <laughs> and the funny thing was I had a I don't like answering mobile numbers and I don't know it's just who thing. does and when I matched it up I had a missed call during the day and looked at all email emails I was like oh my god she called me in the day and I'm just absolutely flake so I just sent this panic email back going oh my god I'm so excited and here's the answers and is it too late and then Oh she God. was like, no, it's not too late. So the press release went out with the shortlist on the Tuesday. And I think that the stuff that I was answering was for their socials that was running later. And she organized a chat with me, which I assume she did with the other shortlisters as well, just to like, I guess, a bit of a getting to know you kind of thing. And so it was a few days later that we got the phone to her, the first time I'd spoken to her. And I was so nervous. I felt like it was a job interview. Like, I was like, I feel like I need to write some answers down. Like, what are going to ask me? And it actually ended up just being this really... Really nice chat. Like we chat about lockdown, and we were like, just you know, we're going off on tangents. So it was a really comfortable conversation, and I just immediately felt like really comfortable with her. The press release really said that the announcement was August something. Again, put that in my diary. Be like, don't miss it this time. <laughs> um, So I missed the email again. telling me that I've won. <laughs> so I yeah. So the day that Lisa had emailed me to say that I'd won, I obviously didn't read it. I was moving house sitting in the driveway of my old, old old flat and I'm putting things in my bo- in, the, in the car and I'd saved Lisa's number obviously from that day and saved as Lisa Berryman Harper Collins so I'm sitting in my car and my friend's connected to my bluetooth and I've turned the car on it's like Lisa Berryman Harper Collins and I was like what and this is like five days before it was in my calendar I was like this isn't this isn't what was in my calendar and she was like hello have you read your emails and I was like oh god not again I was like no <laughs> I was like, should I read, <laughs> should I read my email? She's like, I think you should read your email. <laughs> Reading my email. I was like, oh my God. But also kind of like a family behind me in a car, like trying to, like waiting for me to, like, they're meeting me in meet my new flight and I'm in the driveway and I'm, like answering this call. And it was very exciting. And I, didn't, I didn't say anything um, when I got to the, the, the house and I had people around me because I kind of, I needed to process it. I needed yeah. to like call my mum and my sister and I needed to just sink in what had just happened. And I guess properly read that email as well.
0: Oh God, I feel uh, like I would have been like one of those, you know, those old lotto commercials where they'd just be like, I've won. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that would have been teased out of the car. I'm like, oh my God.
2: So <laughs> cr- I just was like, oh God, I just think I'm probably an absolute fluke now. So suffice to say there's notifications for my Gmail account on my phone now. So literally i half I- a I'm like respond. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, it was very crazy. And then obviously it was under embargo for, I think, yeah, a few days. And then I told like my immediate family and then put it out on Facebook and Instagram the day that they announced it, which was just crazy. And there's a few people who I wanted to tell, but I didn't because I wanted them to see, which kind of sounds very impersonal, but I wanted them to see it on social media to be like, oh my God, like, and have that reaction. So I didn't tell my dad. And he saw it for the first time on Facebook <laughs> and he called me and was like, what is this? I have water in my eyes, which I'm like, that's tears, dad. Oh, um, so, so yeah, it was, it was very surreal and, and not for a second when I entered that day after being at the pub all day, did I think that um, that was going mean, to happen? Clearly
0: but... it didn't cross <laughs> your mind again. So oh, my clearly, God. <laughs> that's, that's my story favorite
1: story. so much better than I expected. <laughs>
0: That's the best. Oh, I every turn. Entering shortly <laughs> in
1: it's there's something at each spot. It's amazing. I
0: also I have to know, you know, we asked about your sister reading the book before, but you know, now that the book is an actual thing, have your parents read it and what have they said? So my
2: mum read it and I felt nervous about her reading it to be honest, because I didn't want her to feel like, um I didn't want her to feel like that I had a horrible Teenage life that I was constantly feeling shit about myself and
0: my family, and the and mum my... in the book is not you know your relationship with that exactly and you know,
2: so it was very nervous. And I put it off for a long time. I didn't want her to read it. I wasn't sure. I didn't want her to take anything the wrong way. Yeah. And you know, I've been very clear with people that these characters are invented. Like I don't have Sophia as a cousin, wish I did. Wish I was her. Um, I don't have daughter Mike in my life, wish he was real. Um, I the parents aren't my parents, so. I just wanted to be really clear about that with her before she read it. And the first night she read it, my mom's also a big reader and has been a big influence in, you know, reading and writing for my sister and I. But yeah, yeah so that, that night that she sat in bed and was reading it, she texted me and said, it's beautifully written. And I was like, Aww. that's all I needed. <laughs> but keep reading and make sure you're not offended by anything else off the first page. <laughs> and, you know, she loves the grandmother character. And, and I don't, oh, Yeah, that's also invented because, I'm one of 87 cousins on that side so I don't have that that personal relationship with my Lebanese grandmother as you wouldn't when you're one of 87 grandkids
0: but <laughs> I love that relationship and that character in the book yeah. though that just like be a good person in so, here I was it's like, just, oh!
2: the simplicity of it isn't it yeah like just yeah. the simple things and believing in the simple things and and yeah I think I really wanted that to be, I mean, that also just became a bigger part of the story than it was meant to be. As I said, it was meant to be just the how embarrassing the ethnic grandmother and, and yeah, she, I guess is a little bit of a driving force inadvertently as well.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's such a nice Nice story. I love that. I love that story. so funny. Oh my god. Um. so can we go back to before you started writing the novel though I oh my god I dreamed of working in magazines when I started studying journalism um so yeah what was it like working at a teenage magazine because you know us I'm sure us reading them was like oh my god it must be so glamorous to work at Dolly or girlfriend and oh my god the sealed section <laughs> oh my god this
2: so just for the record <clears throat> before you ask because people do ask this I was not Dolly doctor um <laughs> but
0: <laughs> I, I was
2: barely, I was barely out of teenagehood. I was 19 when I started working at Dolly. So I was, oh Oh my my God, my friends were in it because I was 19. Like we, my sister was in and her friends were in fashion shoots and my, my friends were in stories. And so I was kind of, because I was the junior burger of the office, I was, I was used as this kind of like resource. Oh my God. boys, we need three boys aged between 17 and 18. Can you get them by tomorrow? And I was like, on it, my cousin and his friends will do it. Um, so everybody was That's in amazing. Dolly, everybody was in there. Um, so I feel like I was, so cute. I grew up with Dolly and then started working magazines at 17 because before that I was at the Bulletin, which is business, serious, current affairs, news magazine. And then got the job at Dolly when I was 19 and, and still felt like I was, I had not left as a consumer. It was very, very cool. I got to do lots of very cool things and meet very cool people. So it wasn't you know glamorous it wasn't it's not it's not um the bold type sometimes I watch that show and be like no we didn't dress like that and we didn't just go out in the middle of the day when we felt like it that's not how it works
0: that's how I feel about younger yeah that's not how publishing works
2: no (laughs) totally like I you know watching watching movies and tv shows about magazines I'm always like Unless America's different, and it might very well be,
1: that was not my experience. But you're but... Like my experience is not the bold type, is not devil wears Prada. Like yeah. our office was
2: dingy as. <laughs> um, you know, the Packers built that building in like 1965 Actually, or
0: something. Yeah, I did I did my, I did a week of work experience at Madison magazine, which was like the dream. I worked yes. at Madison too. Like, yes. <laughs> um so yeah I did a week of work experience there and yeah that that building was not glamorous I did enjoy much more when I I went back to do an internship um about a year late or maybe later in the same year at Ride to be magazine in Pacific Mags, mm-hmm. and that building was just like when I I remember going there the first day, like getting off the train station at Redfern and walking through. Yeah, I went to that was, building too. Oh my god, like it was just so different because I'd yeah. been, I mean, I loved being in the city for that week. Oh my god, it was like this is like two, these are this is a month and a week that like defined. <laughs> my, I was like, oh my god, I feel like I am in Devil Wears Prada. Um, I but you know, because like for, uh, I mean, I wouldn't say that Rocky is country totally but it's definitely got aspects of that and to go to Sydney I was just like oh to my god. yeah, yeah <laughs> to I was just like Sydney. oh my god I belong here I am <laughs> not I I do not belong in my country town and it was just like, oh my God, walking into the lunchroom at Pacific Mags. And I was like, oh my God, I just walked past someone who was in home and away. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. I know. <laughs> I know. And, and, mean I mean, look, I,
2: you know, I grew up in Sydney, but I grew up in Southwest Sydney. I grew up in the suburbs. So even for me going to the city at 17 was like, got to get my, is yeah. my button up shirt on? Got to get my. <laughs> yes,
0: so I was 18 when I did my internship. So yeah, it was very much the same, like vibe of like, oh my God, how lucky am I that I get to experience this like oh my god yeah, exactly and I think for me so I didn't go to uni so it was my training ground
2: and I learned yeah. my first mentor was at Dolly and I got to, I, I learned everything I guess being in that office and watching what was happening and, and being on these really cool photo shoots I mean just really crazy things like there was this um shoot with a bunch it was this epic, every year Dolly had this like summer beach guide and it was fashion and features and stuff. And someone had this bright idea of hiring a bus and taking a bunch of teenagers to Palm Beach and shooting at this beach house for about 16 hours. And then I got put in charge of looking after the people on the bus. So 19 year old Samira's on the bus going, everyone just, just sit down and be quiet please? While we're driving from city to the northern beaches with like 25 kids, some of which were my sister's friends. Um,
1: Oh, no respect. Just, right, then,
2: like... Yeah, no authority. <laughs> no authority. And during this shoot at this really cool beach house and things like that, like, I wasn't exposed to things like that growing up. I've never seen these crazy mansions and things like Except, that. So, so
0: in the pages of the magazine? Yeah, exactly. Oh, that so, so cool. Yeah, things like that were very
2: eye-opening and also entertaining and just a, gr- it was grow- a gross experience for me. I was working with older people. I mean, some people were 10 years older than me. Some of them are still my friends. And I forget that there's even that age gap now, but at the time I think, why were you wanting to be friends with me? Like I was 21 and you're running to your weddings and stuff. Like I was like, why would you (laughs) want to be friends with me? Been
1: so annoying. Why weren't you annoyed by me,
2: the young one in the office? I had my 21st birthday at Dolly and I was just like, why do you?
0: Yeah, it was like that in our office too, except that because, um, so I started work at a regional newspaper, our hometown newspaper which actually you probably know because you listen to the podcast um but <laughs> there was one year where you know because it's the place that you start your career right so there were so many of us who had started here were from here um and you know had got hometown jobs so there was one year that there were like 5 21st in the office <laughs> like we were yeah. such a young team and our editor was like the father figure and we were all like the team yeah. it was just It was such a nice vibe, like that particular, you know, how you sort of, it's funny, isn't it? You sort of move through stages. It's like a school group, except instead of all staying in the one class, like you have those sort of cohorts of colleagues where there was a particular group and you think, God, that was a good group that Mm. we had there. And then, you know, a bunch of people leave and it's sort of different, maybe not the same, but there's like one particular year I'm just like, I think, oh, yeah, God, we had so much fun. Like our lunch breaks were so fun We would have the best conversations and it is that like young vibe, but I just, I can't get over the fact that like, yeah, you, you were working at the magazines that you would have been looking up to and looking to for fashion advice and stuff like that's probably like most teenage girls dreams to be like, Oh my God, actually working at it, no matter if it's not as glamorous as you think, it's still pretty cool.
2: Oh, it was crazy. And you know, I, all I ever wanted to be was a writer. So it was the place where I first started writing articles that I had my name on it, and I get still like I still if I see my name in a byline, I'm like, oh my god, like <laughs> I wrote that, you know. But at the time, it was like and me cutting it out from the and sticking it in my folder. Yes,
0: <laughs> yeah. Um. So a couple of quick fire questions mm-hmm. on this, just because I'm fascinated. So uh, best like celeb interview. Oh, it's really hard.
2: Um, because like how do you define? Like are you talking caliber of celebrity or just what happened in the interview? Oh, go um, both. Go both. Okay. okay. The one that you're like, the,
0: I, think, the... I, don't,
2: I don't think this is super impressive, but when I tell younger people, they're like, Oh my God, what? That I interviewed Avril Lavigne and I have a photo with her. And I'm like, I don't think that's super impressive, but a few pretty young well, people are cool. impressed by that. Um, I did. So MTV Australia had, there was one year where they had an MTV Australia awards and I did the red carpet and I met Good Charlotte, and I thought that was very cool at the time. Um, oh, who else? Oh, should have thought about this because there might be someone cooler, and I've not mentioned it. <laughs> now I sound like I've only interviewed D-list celebrities. <laughs> I mean, I got to get go a lots of cool shoots, and like I had lunch with you know Guy Sebastian just after he won Australian Idol, and iconic. Know, Iconic Australian, yeah. and we did this the yeah. Australian cover with him and Sharon, Shannon Old, who was like this flip <laughs> cover.
0: <laughs> you know, I used to love the Dolly and Girlfriend, like, poster books as Oh, well. my God, like, the posters were oh, so good. God. To and, get your posters for your locker at school. Yeah. And, oh. and you
2: mentioned and you mentioned Home and Away and I actually became quite friendly with two of the, the guys from Home and Away. Because I worked in the in the building at Channel Seven for um what I was on Girlfriend Magazine and we used to do loads of home and away shoots and came like a big buddy with like Luke Mitchell and you know the few people there I used to say hello to in the lift and, and walk to the station with sometimes. Oh that's so <laughs> that's
1: cool. so cool. I actually I'm did a behind the
2: scenes I did behind the scenes tour of Home and Away. Actually, Luke Mitchell took me on a behind the scenes tour. So there's all these photos of me at Summer Bay, like wearing this school uniform and like riding on the lifeguard cart with Luke Mitchell. <laughs> that's. Awesome. I think he's in Hollywood now too. So maybe I should talk that him. He might be. He might be in the next. I don't know. Like
0: Chris who's Hemsworth? Chris yeah, Hemsworth. Totally. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so cool. So, um, okay. One, one last magazine question: What was the like silliest? story you ever had to put your name to and write oh silliest story oh I don't
2: know why I
0: found this photo
2: recently and I'll, I'll share it with you I don't know what the I can't remember the backstory to it I don't know why, but I had to build a kissing booth. And then I was in Hyde Park and there's photos of me standing in this cardboard kissing booth that I'd built. And I don't know whether that was for a story or not, or what it was for. (laughs) Maybe you just did it for fun. (laughs) So so what we used to do, I don't know if you're familiar with the term Vox Pops. Yes. Yes. That was
0: punishment in our office. so, So for
2: people who don't know, how do we describe Vox Pops? It's basically going to the street and surveying people. Yeah. So as the junior at Dolly, that was my job, and I think also because they thought I was a young girl that I would resonate with the young but boys. Oh, so
0: it's the one that no, it's the job that no one else Nobody. does. Yeah. So once you, it was a punishment in our office. Oh Late, you didn't have enough stories. Box yes. pops. Yeah. So break oh, that box for the space. So there was this Catholic
2: boys' school near near the office, and so I used to have to time it at like three o'clock and run out there and stop all Catch these the boys and ask awesome. them. I walk through hard puck excuse me can I ask you what's your um, most embarrassing kissing moment? <laughs> I was constantly constantly out there chasing these boys just dying going, oh my God, they're just not gonna answer my question and sometimes I'll just I'll be like who are you and sometimes I'd be happy to chat and it was just it was the weirdest thing so that's probably that's probably the silliest or weirdest thing that it's not a story but that I can think of that I was constantly out there three o'clock gotta go um, <laughs> out.
0: I've, I've
1: had that in the city when I've like gone out um, like to get lunch or something like that at Hyde, like in Hyde Park and one time I went out and I was with a couple of my coworkers, and seriously, it, we just kept walking past these like sections of like 30 or so high school boys and they just kept coming because of like traffic lights yeah. and stuff. They were all like broken up and they just kept coming <laughs> and they were all taller than me and I'm like, what is going
2: on? Well, can you imagine maybe my clipboard going into that, into this crowd? My
1: Dolly Magazine.
2: <laughs>
0: my pink Dolly clipboard. <laughs> <laughs> it's me,
2: it's me from Dolly,
0: can you answer a question for me? Oh, uh, so also, were like Dolly Doctor and the Girlfriend Sealed section, all that sort of stuff, was everything like, were those questions all contributed or did you guys ever have to like make stuff up? 100%,
2: like... you wouldn't believe that stuff. So, so at one point, I think when I was, Elevated to the features writer. Uh, it was my job to man the inbox for Dolly Doctor. And so I to then select the questions that we sent to Dr. Melissa Kang, who I also believe has just written a book, Consent, yeah, I think I maybe think it's called. That. Yeah. So she was our Dolly Doctor for many, many years. I think she was the original. And she's a vampire. She's an age, that woman. But um, <laughs> the things that used to come through were just mind-blowing. I, I, mean, I also feel like maybe there was probably some teenage boys in there being dickheads and just... Like, yeah. haha let's send this question to Dolly. I know.
1: Just because <laughs> the staff at Dolly and Girlfriend didn't make them up, I suppose, doesn't necessarily mean... Someone that else did were it. You know, yeah. Sometimes yeah, things are... You were like, like,
2: like, that's really stupid. I know that that's just... That's, yeah. People sitting around being dumb. But everything that went in there was like, yeah, legit questions.
0: And it was such a, like, I guess a bit of a revolutionary thing in its time as well. And, yeah, I just... It's, it's such a cool thing to look back on and think like teenagers now don't realize what lengths we had to go to. Because we didn't have smartphones. To be
1: allowed to read it.
0: Yeah.
1: i <laughs> to tear out the sealed section. I mean, the today CL I'd
2: just be going on Facebook, wouldn't I? And am polling people. I wouldn't be yeah. out in the streets my clipboard. You'd but also, I,
1: also, I think it's really sad.
2: I think it's really sad that tangible product doesn't exist anymore. And I'm sad for like my future children. to Like, if I show them, look at this great magazine I worked at, they'll be like, yeah, we don't care.
0: What the What's a yeah. magazine? I'm so unimpressed.
2: Yeah. So yeah, unimpressed like, by this. Yeah. Oh, for a long yeah. time people were impressed that I worked in magazines. Now no one's impressed.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yes, well, exactly. now you've published a
0: book. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, <laughs> that's just I just I'm living for the impressing people. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm impressed that you worked in a magazine because that was always oh, like my you. until I realized how um ridiculous that dream probably was oh. and that it was gonna be very hard to get a job. So I just went for something a little bit more achievable which turned out to be quite good in the end as well so good not complaining at all but it definitely was a different path to the one that I sort of thought I would be on when I sat down and read Madison magazine because Emma Watson was on the cover and was like this is what I want to do oh my god I mean this is and the thing is you know we everyone had to
2: I hate the word pivot but everyone had to when magazines started dying we had to figure out what we did next so Mm, you didn't have to go through that
0: I didn't except that I used to work at a newspaper so but in the time in the time that I was there you know it was amazing even in in five years that I was from when I started when digital was the second afterthought of the afternoon to when I left and when I left I had been managing the website so the shift in just those five years was huge now unfortunately there's no print publication for my old newspaper as well which is also mm. a bit sad but yeah it's sad to see that those magazines are sort of no longer in the same form that, that yeah. we all enjoyed for so many years. Totally but and I think it was it was also sort of an impetus for me
2: to write the book because I was feeling at the end of my career at the ripe right old age of like 30 but like
0: <laughs> I was feeling
2: um at the end of my career in magazines and didn't know what to do next. And I felt like while I took a little bit of a hiatus that there was a the perfect time to write the book. because was it always going to be
0: young adult because yes. of your experience yes. in? Yeah. I just love that. audience. I just love how engaged and I just, I have such fond
2: memories of just how passionate and engaged that audience is and just the letters and emails that used to come through. Just, yeah, it was, it was, and you didn't get that. I worked in women's magazines after that. You just didn't get that. It wasn't the same kind of um, connection and engagement from readers.
0: Yeah. So I've always and again, it's like you league. said at the start, like everything's so intense. And I guess, you know, teenagers are passionate about stuff, whether that's mm-hmm. One Direction or climate change. Like mm-hmm. teenagers do... Right. Care. The generations yeah, change. They can, they can enjoy both. Yes.
2: <laughs> yes. <laughs> they yeah. They can not care about anything and also really care about a lot of things. So, yeah.
0: Mm. yeah, it's it's wonderful mm. and it's amazing. And it is, I mean, that's why we as readers also keep returning to YA because it is such a great time period in your life to like reflect back on and sort of explore as well. Um, so, thank you for letting us go down memory lane with Dolly and oh, girlfriends. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us tonight as well. It's been such delight to chat about Layla and Imogen and all the, all the gang from Half My Luck and to chat to you. Um, Where can people find you and follow you online? Um, So Instagram, I am just Samira Kay, because
2: that's far too long to include my whole name. (laughs) Um, But I am Samira Kamalini Author on Facebook. I don't really use Twitter. I don't know. I feel like I missed the Twitter bandwagon. Yeah, I think, yeah. no, Twitter's yeah. not a very nice place. Yeah, um, so, so I'm, I'm happy with, I'm, I do a lot on Insta. I think that's probably where I'm most active is on Insta. Um, yeah. Yeah. I was it's very
1: so excited lovely. when I saw that you caught the snow in Orange. <gasps> oh, my God. few <laughs> months ago, whenever that was. Oh, my God. It
2: was only a few, yeah, like a month ago. I'm actually so glad that I snuck that trip in before, this oh, lockdown this happened, because yeah, actually yeah. I was I had a trip booked to Melbourne I was gonna see the Harry Potter musical and all this whole week of adventure planned <sighs> and then Melbourne went into lockdown so I had to cancel it and I'm kind of went where do I go I just need to I really need this week off and I wanted to kind of just get some creative juices flowing as well and was looking up like where can I drive to and took myself off to Orange and unprecedented, and bam, unprecedented, bam, unprecedented so orange. snowfall like even they were freaking out like the morning oh, I was like <laughs> is this a dream I woke like I was like what the heck there's like thick snow out there and came out in my pajamas and beanie. And the, and the hotel owner was
0: like, do you want me to take a photo of you? Outside? I was like, yes, please. Like I'm a girl from the city. I I've never seen this before. So mental. It's funny how like it makes even the most mundane things look super magical. You're like, Oh, look at that pile of rubbish over yeah. there. But it's covered in snow. It's like so <laughs> pretty. <me." laughs> I was just walking around. And I was like, oh, there's an empty field. But yeah, it's got snow in it. It's so pretty, so good. Just <laughs> a story and yeah.
2: pictures,
1: isn't
0: it? Yeah, it's so funny. It's just because we're not used to it. It's yeah. so, it's so funny. Yeah. Meanwhile, Canadian people and American people are like, "This is weird. Why do you care?" And i hate it. Yeah. Like my mom yeah. lived in
2: my mom lived in Toronto for two years. It's like it was awful. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is <laughs> like, something it else
0: over there. It's just, it's absolutely yeah, it's crazy. Nice, but yeah Mm. anyway anyway (laughs) oh this has been so lovely thank you oh i'm so glad thank you so much and thank you for listening to us and supporting the podcast as well over the years it's lovely to have you on
2: very welcome
0: (laughs) thank you bye bye thank you for
1: listening to better words you can chat to us on instagram at better words pod and follow
0: me michelle at unfinished bookshelf and me caitlin at just a bookish babe If you liked this episode, please share it with a book-loving friend and leave a rating or review.